What's up, guys? Brett Apley here from DailyFanMMA.com, back with another UFC Quick Picks on the Mayo Media Network. We have UFC Vegas 50 this week. Santos versus Ankalaya, 14 fights on the slate. Going to be a high-variance card, I think, but should be a fun one as well. As always, I'm going to give you my favorite cash game play, tournament play, uh, salary play, and my fade of the week from a DraftKings perspective. And before I do, make sure you subscribe to the channel here, like the video, and comment below. Let's see. I'm looking for your favorite play between 92 and 8.5K. I see like six or seven legitimate tournament options in this range. I think if you can pick out the best fighters in this range, the ones who are going to finish, the ones who are going to score well, that can really separate you from the field. So very curious who you guys are on in that range this week. Without further ado, let's get into the picks. My cash game play of the week is going to be none other than Megamed and Kalaev at 9.6K. All right, for cash games, I like <clears throat> Magomed Ankalaev, the main event favorite at 9.6K. He's minus 525 to win. I know this is a pretty chalky uh, selection, but in cash games, I don't like to mess around. And quite honestly, like there aren't that many standout options when I'm trying to create my cash game build. I think a lot of the fighters you know, in that 9.2 to 8.5K range have upside. But there are a lot of risky ones as well. The mid-range is a crapshoot. There are some salary savers who make sense, but I don't feel very strongly about many cash game targets, except for Ankalaev, who I think is a great cash game target and one that should be in your lineups as a minus 525 favorite against Tiago Santos with five rounds of potential. And Ankalaev is simply just the, the better fighter in this matchup. I do have concerns about his volume though he doesn't land strikes at a super high rate 3.6 per minute uh only 1.1 takedowns landed per 15 minutes i i worry a little bit about him just not producing enough offense to you know smash from a fantasy perspective and so in tournaments at 9.6k um i think there are i think there is an argument to make to fade him to pivot away from him or simply if you don't have enough salary to use him unlike colby covington last week if you don't have enough salary to get up to the main event favorite in ankalaya this week i think that's okay there are plenty of high upside options and there's a possibility that this fight isn't as exciting or as fast paced from a fantasy perspective as people might like considering tiago santos in his last two fights has done a really good job to limit engagements throwing strikes at a very low rate himself. He landed 49 and 44 strikes in his last two fights. 44 significant strikes landed over 25 minutes against Johnny Walker. That is a, a major concern from the Santos side. But overall, Ankalaev, he's a more technical striker. I think he has more knockout upside potential to win by knockout early. I think he also has a legitimate wrestling and grappling advantage. Though he doesn't land takedowns at an extreme rate, he does land some, and we saw him land three against Nikita Krylov, one against Volkan Ozdemir. Uh, he, he, he lands them sporadically, and Santos defense takedowns at 80, uh, sorry, defense takedowns at 66%, but is somewhat weak on the ground, not a great scrambler. So over the course of 25 minutes, I think Ankalaev, from a cash game perspective, is going to land enough strikes, is going to grapple enough 
to pay off the price and most importantly win, which is what I care about most um, on DraftKings this week in cash games. And as far as his finishing potential, he, he does have a high ceiling as well. Plus 120 to win inside the distance. Maybe it doesn't come in the first couple minutes, but I still think he could earn a knockdown. I think he could win on the ground inside the distance as well. There are just a lot of different outcomes for this fight, but in cash, I'm looking for safety, which Ankalaev has in his money line. He has some safety in his uh, finishing line as well, plus some grappling equity, which gives him a relatively high floor and ceiling over 25 minutes. It's going to make Ankalaev my cash gameplay of the week at 9.6K. Let's move on to my tournament play of the week, and I'm going to drop a little bit down in salary to Song Yudong at 9.2K, taking again, uh, uh, facing off against Marlon Marais. Yudong is a moderate favorite, minus 235. And Marlon Marais is someone who we've been targeting fighters against for the last couple of years. I mean, we've at least been on him, been... Uh, fading him against Corey Sanhagen, against Rob Font, and against Marab. And I just, over the years, I mean, Marias, he doesn't land enough significant strikes to win rounds cleanly. He's averaging 3.34 strikes landed per minute while absorbing 4.47. It's a terrible ratio. He has three decision wins in the UFC. He's landed 44 in a split, 45 in a split, and 59 in a split. He just he doesn't land enough volume. He can still win very low scoring, very competitive decisions. But outside of that, he's pretty much dependent on a quick knockout, which are his other uh, three victories. A first round, first minute finish against Aljamain Sterling. 33-second knockout over Jimmy Rivera, and a first-round finish against Rafael Asuncao. And unfortunately, the tendency when he does get pushed, when he is forced to fight at a higher pace, he folds. His cardio doesn't hold up. His durability doesn't hold up. He's now been knocked out in four of his last five fights, and he was horribly damaged by Sanhagen, Font, and most recently, Marab. And it's not impossible that Marais can still continue to win at this level, but it's also quite likely that that trend doesn't change and that if Marais can't get a quick knockout, that he'll be vulnerable, vulnerable to a cardio deficit, vulnerable to uh, taking damage. And I think the most likely outcome here is Song Yidong winning inside the distance, which is inside distance line is plus 100. Um, Yadong's coming off a second round knockout win over Julio Arce, and he looks pretty good. I mean, he averages 4.88 significant strikes landed per minute, a lot of power in his hands, a couple recent decisions in which he won. He landed 101 significant strikes against Marlon Vera, 116 significant strikes against Casey Kenny. Maybe he doesn't land 100 against Vera, but he at least has more volume upside than Marlon Marais. I mean, those numbers are two times the amount that Marias has ever landed in the UFC. And so over 15 minutes, I feel pretty comfortable that Yudong can land at a higher pace. And perhaps Marias has some early grappling potential, some uh, the ability to land a takedown or two early in the fight. But, he, you know, he's done that before as well. He landed a takedown, a couple takedowns against Rob Font, and it gassed him out so badly that he was knocked out, you know, a couple minutes later. 
And so I don't even know if landing a takedown really benefits him against Yudong. And Yudong has been very durable throughout his UFC career, where Marais just hasn't. And in his recent fights, he's taken more and more damage, and he's getting knocked out easier and easier, in my opinion. And so from a fantasy perspective, Yudong at 9.2K, is he a lock? Absolutely not. Are there other fighters in this range that you can use as well? I think so, just like Drew Dober or Alex Pereira, for example. But at 9.2K, I really think Yudong has knockout potential, um, whether it's in the first or the second or the third round. His cardio is better here. His durability is better. And if he can just survive the first few minutes, uh, I think a win is quite likely and a finish is quite likely. Again, plus 100 inside the distance is a pretty good number. I think Song Yudong has plenty of upside from a fantasy perspective, and he will be my tournament play of the week at 9.2K. Moving on to my salary play of the week, I'm going to give out Cody Brundage at 7.9K. And this is, I want to clarify that this is like, uh, not necessarily a shot in the dark, but like he is just one underdog of many, many underdogs who are live, in my opinion. And I don't necessarily think he's a fantastic play compared to the likes of a Damon Jackson or a whoever, fighters who are much cheaper. So it's not that I'm going to be extremely heavy on Brundage. He's just someone that I want to talk about. Um, at 7.9K, I do think he has potential to win this fight, and I do think he should win this fight against Dolce Lungiambula. Uh, Brundage is the underdog at, let's see, at plus 110, and he's 0-1 in the UFC, but his loss came to Nick Maximoff, who is a very high-level, very aggressive, volume grappler, and Lungiambula is a fighter who I am looking to fade from like a macro perspective because I don't think he has a good enough skill set to continue to win fights at this level. He has some judo in his game and he can like hip toss you to the ground, but his ability to control fighters on the mat is really poor. And his striking is also really, really technically poor. Like he throws everything with 100% power but he will overextend himself to the point that he's like literally falling to the ground, swinging, swinging and missing um, on some of these strikes. And yeah, he could win by knockout, but it hasn't worked out that well for him in the UFC. He's landing 2.9 strikes per minute, absorbing 3.9 per minute. And so can he go out there and knock Cody Brundage out perhaps? And maybe he can win a competitive striking fight. I think that's very possible. But the reason why I like Brundage is because Dolce has had a lot of success on the ground in the UFC. He took down Daquan Townsend four times. He took down Marcus Perez, and he took down Marc-Andre Berrio twice. His wrestling and grappling is not good, and Brundage actually can wrestle. Brundage, I think, came from a Division II wrestling background. Brundage, even on the Contender Series, he lost that fight, but he took William Knight down very, very quickly, took his back, landed a lot of ground and pound. He has a lot of submissions on his record, and he got out-wrestled by Nick Maximoff. I would be very, very surprised if he gets out-wrestled by Dolce in this fight. Like, maybe Dolce can land a takedown, but I think very, very unlikely that Dolce can, like, submit him or control him on the ground. And on the flip side... Brundage probably 
should be able to land takedowns here. And if he can, he he might be able to dominate on the ground. I'm not totally sure. And it's a, it's a risky target for that reason. I mean, he's the underdog. People think he's going to lose, and there's no real track record of him, like, smashing. But I just think technically he's on another level than Dolce as a wrestler, and I'm just kind of crossing my fingers that it comes to fruition. So from a fantasy perspective, I want some exposure to Brundage. I also will be spreading out my exposure um, below the 8K range. There's a lot of fighters that I do like, but Brundage is one that interests me. He doesn't rate out well on paper. Um, He doesn't have a great inside distance line on paper. I see plus 375. So it's a risky target, and he's going to be quite low owned. But against an opponent like Dolce, who I just think is very technically poor all around and is potentially at a severe wrestling disadvantage here, I'm willing to use Brundage as a salary option, 7.9K. Very sneaky, very risky, but... That's the kind of fights I like in tournaments. So Brundage will be my salary play of the week at 7.9K. Finally, moving on to my fade of the week, it's going to be Miranda Maverick at 9.4K. And truthfully, I am still hesitant to give this out because in her two wins, she scored 110 and 99 points. So like I could see her landing enough volume against Sabina Mazo and mixing in a couple takedowns and potentially dominating there and still ending up with 100 points anyway. Like, she's going to be very low-owned, and if you want to use her as a contrarian option, I think that's viable. It's just with a limited number of lineups, there's no real way you can prioritize her, I don't think. Ankoliyev's priced right above her. Sam is a great contrarian option priced below her. And then you have the fighters who can legitimately win inside the distance, like who are somewhat likely to finish in Song Yudong, Yusuf, Drew Dober, Pereira, Mirzakhanov, and we go further down the list. There are plenty of fighters in this 8K and 9K range who can finish, and it's just going to be so difficult to pay all the way up to Miranda Maverick at 9.4K, who could look good, uh, or this could just be a very competitive striking fight, and she could totally bust as a minus 325 favorite against Sabina Mazo. Um, Her inside distance line isn't very strong at plus 280 so like it's hard to compare plus 280 when other fighters in this range are minus 120 plus 100 plus 120 and you know maverick um like she produces some volume but she's averaging 3.7 significant strikes per minute 1.2 takedowns per 15 minutes she hasn't really been a dominant offensive fighter and she's fighting an opponent in Mazo who's going to be way bigger than her. Mazo is four inches taller with a five inch reach advantage and is landing 6.4 significant strikes per minute. It's possible Maverick looks great but it's also very very possible that this is a competitive striking fight in which Mazo keeps kicking range, you know, limits engagements and, and forces a lower score than we'd want from Maverick at 9.4k. And on DraftKings, again, I just think it's too expensive of a price to pay up with any frequency. With a limited number of lineups, Maverick is going to be an essential fade for me on DraftKings this week. And before we get out of here, just a real quick bonus fight I wanted to talk about. Uh, talk about. I really like Drew Dober versus Terrence McKinney. And if you watched the show a couple weeks ago, you knew how high I was on Terrence McKinney in that spot. He was my salary play of the week, I'm pretty sure. And... He 
won that fight by rear naked choke in the first round. It was a perfect outcome. And I talked about how McKinney's the type of fighter who I normally fade because all of his wins come very quickly in fights. And when he extends into round two and round three, he, he's looked tired and he's been finished. And it's really hard to trust those fighters early on in their UFC career. But the reason I really liked him in his last matchup was because I thought his offensive wrestling was strong and he was fighting an opponent in Ziyam who had shown me like severe weaknesses on the ground. Fortunately, it worked out. And now McKinney's fighting again on a very short notice here, very cheap at 7.2K, but in a much different matchup. And I just kind of want to point out that although McKinney still has great upside, although he still has early knockout upside, he could still land takedowns. Drew Dober and Ferez Ziyam are, are completely different fighters. And Dober is at least a level or two above Ziyam as a defensive wrestler and scrambler. Dober's been out-wrestled and submitted a bunch of times, but like by Islam Makachev and by Benil Dariush. And against lesser opponents, still decent opponents, but Alexander Hernandez, he gave up a few takedowns but only one minute of control time, got up to his feet, won by knockout. He's coming off a loss to Brad Riddell in which he gave up five takedowns, but again, only a couple minutes of control time. He got up to his feet very easily. So McKinney's an interesting tournament target here still for his early finishing upside. I think he could land a takedown, maybe a quick knockout or a quick submission, and I'm willing to use a bit of him at this price. But I am not anywhere near as confident in McKinney in this matchup as I was in his last matchup. And in fact, I'm picking him to lose. I mean, I think Dober is the rightful favorite here. Maybe Dober does get taken down, but he's shown to be an effective scrambler, a pretty decent defensive wrestler, and he's a great striker, a dangerous Muay Thai striker. And now these red flags that we talked about before with McKinney where his cardio may be deficient and I worry about someone pushing the pace... Dober's, Dober's the kind of fighter who uh, may expose him. And so if this fight progresses into round two and round three, I have no choice but to favor Drew Dober. This fight is minus uh, 225 to end inside the distance. Um, I think if McKinney wins, it's probably inside the distance. And I think if Dober wins, it's probably inside the distance. Dober's a little bit more risky at 9K because... He could get held down early and the fight could get extended. And even if he wins by late knockout, there's no guarantee. But I actually think Dober has a pretty legitimate chance to win inside the distance here. Plus 160 inside the distance. A, a very fun fight, a fight I'm excited for, and a fight that I will be targeting from a fantasy perspective. I like um, Terrence McKinney, but just not nearly as much as in his last fight. And I'm not going to be chasing him this week. And... I will probably have a, a, a decent bit of exposure to Drew Dober as well for his knockout upside. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's UFC Quick Picks. Thank you again for the support. You can follow me on Twitter, AppertApplyWTWP. Just finished a two-hour podcast with my boy, Technical Tim. That's covering every single fight from the DraftKings slate. You can find that on our site, DailyFanMMA.com. Best of luck in your contest this week. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.